What would a win mean for Oregon football up in Pullman this Saturday? What would it mean if they fell to the Cougars, which is possible? And what are the keys to victory for the Ducks? Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster and lifelong Oregon Ducks fan. Thanks for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks, which is why if you have not already, please like, comment, and subscribe wherever you're listening to or watching the show. Thank you to everybody out there who has done so already. And thank you to Max Torres, who covers the Ducks for Fan Nation at Sports Illustrated for coming back on the show. It's been a little while, Max, since we've gotten you here on the pod, but we get you on uh, ahead of what could be a very interesting showdown up in Pullman. It's good to see you again. Good to see you, Spencer. Always uh, appreciate you having me on. Uh, definitely definitely things have gotten busy, uh, but you know that happens during football season. So excited to uh, talk about this game and uh, excited to see how things unfold on the Palouse. And it's really the best time of year, right? I mean, we, we you know, talk about like, oh, it's very busy. There's a lot to cover, whatnot. But that's a heck of a lot better than not having actual football uh, to talk about. So uh, let's start big picture with this game against Washington State. Coming off of the, the massive dominant outing against BYU that I think was unexpected by most to have a score that lopsided heading into the fourth quarter. What would a win mean here for Oregon going on the road as a six and a half point favorite up in Pullman and and walking away with a W? I think that a win for Oregon against Washington State on the road in Pullman would would be uh, very meaningful because it would give you confidence in terms of moving forward on the road. I think the game against Georgia is just such a hard sample to take anything from. So I feel like that's one of my biggest questions this week is what parts of Oregon's game travel, you know, what, 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 like, does the defense travel? Can, can Oregon run the ball? Well, can, can, how does Bo Nix look on the road? Uh, He's historically been more comfortable at home as most quarterbacks would be. Um, So I think that there's still just some questions that we're looking to get answered for this Oregon team. Uh, You know, what does Bo Nix look like on the road is one of them. Uh, what does the secondary look like? I think that there's still some question marks there and uh, the pass rush as well. So those are some things that we'll get into more a little bit later. But I feel like a, a win would be important for Oregon because it would show you that Dan Lanning can win on the road. Uh, it's one thing to win at your at your own place where Oregon's won 21 straight games now. But um, I think that road tests really bring out uh, you know the true version of a team because if, if Oregon gets where they want to go, uh, whether that ultimately be, you know, a New Year's Six Bowl, the playoffs, the Pac-12 title game, those games aren't going to be played at Autzen and Eugene. So I think that uh, seeing how this team looks on the road could, like last week, give us uh, a pretty good sense of, you know, the direction that they're headed uh, in the bigger picture this year. And to get somewhere like the Pac-12 championship game, the Rose Bowl, or a New Year's Six if they aren't the conference champ this year in 2022, you have to be able to win other road games, right? Not just this one, but you have to be able to play away from the cozy confines of Austin Stadium. Um, to me, what what a win this week would show, especially if they play, you, you know, how they did a week ago, or at least something like it, right? I, I think you can expect it to be a little bit more choppy because you have a, a hostile environment up there in Pullman, as 
Duck fans are familiar with from that game in 2018 that I think was you know, a, a rude awakening after the big home win against Washington where you played well, got fortunate with a missed field goal for sure, but you won the game in overtime and then you went up to Pullman and just laid an absolute egg. And I think coming back and getting a win this week would show me that Oregon was not just a, a flash in the pan for one week, right? It would show that they're capable of avoiding emotional letdown, moving on to your next opponent, celebrating and enjoying a win while, while also understanding that there's an opponent in front of you who's going to present a, a very real and legitimate challenge. Yeah, and, and I think that that's, uh, that, that kind of just goes back to, you know, we've had two big wins for Oregon these past two weeks. Now it's, you know, you're kind of getting into that more quality opponents on a consistent basis. And um, Washington State has plenty of things that, that are going to test this team, whether it be their quarterback uh, who's capable of a lot of explosive plays or their defense, which is oddly enough the story for them so far in 2022, especially after their performance against Wisconsin being their most notable win. So I think that we're looking to see if, if Oregon's going to be able to to generate some of uh, – they have that momentum, but what we're really looking to see now, especially on the road, is that consistency. And uh, I think that um, that's going to be a big focus for this team uh, this week, and uh, you know that'll be something we keep an eye on. After the defense's performance in week one against Georgia, which was certainly below our expectations and, you know, it was better in week two, I, I guess, but it was kind of hard to judge. And I thought there were some things in that game that indicated it still wasn't quite firing on all cylinders. I don't know how much better the defense could have been against BYU. And they say defense always travels better than offense because you aren't dealing with the the noise, right? Like that's, uh, you know, you don't have the noise behind you as you do at Autzen Stadium to be sure. But it's a lot easier for a defense to travel and play well than than an offense. And when looking at this game, what I'm, I think, most excited to see is, you know, I don't expect the offense to put up 38 points in three quarters and just, you know, score on basically every drive because that was a good BYU defense. But this is an equally talented, uh, you know, at least so far this season, Washington State defense. And they've got the home field advantage there. But what I'll be looking for in this game, Max, is how does the defense perform this week because I had high expectations from a schematic perspective for things to to look sharper and be better more consistent than they were in 2021 and we saw that come to fruition last week but now I want to see him do it again and again while still looking to to improve on on some little areas yeah and I think one of those areas that you're looking for some improvement is is the big play area like generating turnovers I think when you head to a place like uh, Martin Stadium and just any road game in general, you're going to want to be able to generate turnovers because that's something that I think can be the difference maker in a game like this one. Um, since we don't know what we're going to get necessarily from the offense, I think there's reason to be super confident about the offense, but we don't know what they look in a road environment. Um, that's why I've been saying that I think it's important for them to, to be able to run the ball early. Um, so that defense has some areas to improve. And uh, Washington State has some some very capable receivers. They even have the tight end more involved now. Um, so I think that that'll go that'll go a long way in just in terms of telling us how how this defense has improved. Are we going to be able to see that continued improvement from week to week? I think we've seen it from the offense. We've seen it from the defense. Uh, and then um, I, I'm just looking for some more pass rush that I think a lot of people are. But I think that's been one of the hardest areas to evaluate Oregon's defense so far this year because they have a lot of guys, right? But the teams that they've played have gotten the ball out really fast. So it's like, 
you know, what do you expect from a, a defensive front when they're going up against that? I think you, you know, you look for one-on-one wins in their matchups. Um, and then you also have to look for, you know, generating some disruption without getting to the quarterback by just putting your hands up and, and clogging some of those passing lanes. So maybe those are some of the things we can look for when the Ducks put the kooks. Yeah, and I expect Washington State to have a decent amount of, of the quick passing game as a, an element of their offensive attack. It, you know, that's what they've shown so far this year. They'll they'll have some RPO concepts and uh, and quick hitters. And Cam Ward has got a good arm. He can push it down the field, but it hasn't been a feature of that Washington State offense, which if you haven't been watching mine or Max's show this week, this is not a Mike Leach-led Washington State team. This is a squad that wants to be more physical, particularly on the defensive side, that will be more balanced offensively, wants to have uh, a closer to a 55-45 distribution from uh, the passing attack to the rushing attack. Like they're going to not come out, they're not going to come out and just throw the ball 60 times. They'll throw it plenty. Cam Ward will probably have 30, 35 pass attempts, but that's different than what we're used to with with Mike Leach at the helm. I want to get to what uh, might be a, an area of concern for Oregon or two in Max's view. But first, I remind you, this episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. They have got an easy-to-play format that's available in over 30 states. You just pick between two and five players across any team. You can go Bo Nix, Troy Franklin, anybody on Oregon or on Washington State side as well. And you decide if they'll finish higher or lower than the total that is there. It's one of the easiest fantasy to play games out there. And you can win cold, hard cash in a single game while watching the Ducks take on the Cougs. Sign up with the promo code Locked On, one word, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That means you deposit $100, you get $100 free to play with in the Underdog Fantasy app. Go to underdogfantasy.com or find the Underdog Fantasy app in the App Store or Google Play. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code Locked On, one word, to get in on the college football pick'em action today. So, Max, one thing that I've talked about on the show this week and people have pointed out is there's a disparity in talent between the two corners that that Oregon has been starting because partially Triquez Bridges is a converted safety Dante Manning hasn't been able to get into a groove in his college career part of the reason that Jaron Hall was going that direction however whether it was either those two guys or Jaleel Florence who got in the game the true freshman is Christian Gonzalez has looked like a number one NFL caliber corner to this point in the season. Is that a, a major concern for you at all that there's one side of the field that seems to be getting the, the lion's share of the pass attempts from opposing teams, quarterbacks? Uh, it is. And it isn't. I think that it becomes a concern when Oregon's pass rush continually can't get home. Right. Because that those are, I feel like that's kind of one of the, I don't know. One of the things that I've been thinking about lately, just in terms of when you're evaluating the the secondary, the corners have to cover as long as the pass rush takes to get there. If the pass rush can take that step forward and they have all the talent in the world to do it, then I feel like that obviously makes their job a whole lot easier. And then they're going to effectively effectively look better. So I think if, if we continue to see the pass rush struggle, I think that that would become a concern. Um, but also just, you know, what is that coverage going to look like from, you know, some of those guys that you mentioned, you know, are they, you know, are, how, like when they're getting beat, are, is the QB just putting the ball in a really good spot, uh, you know, where only his guy can get it is the wide receiver tight end running back, just making a heck of a play. Um, I think that there's, you know, definitely some specific areas for evaluation when you're talking about the cornerbacks for Oregon, but 
Um, you know, that, that was when we were heading into the, you know, the, when we were in the off season and we were heading into the season, I think someone asked on my show, what position would you want to see Oregon get another transfer in? And it was cornerback for this very reason, just because they don't have a lot of options that are proven and uh, as experienced as you would like. They have a guys with a lot of potential. And I think that it's encouraging and concerning that Jaleel Florence is playing as much as he is uh, because you want to be getting in an ideal world, more production, um, and, and better coverage from some of those guys that have played more football for you already in Triquez Bridges and Dante Manning. But on the flip side of, of that coin, is it more about what Manning and Bridges are not doing, or is it what Florence has been doing in, in fall camp and practice that's encouraging this coaching staff enough to get him on the field? I, I tend to lean towards it's what Bridges and Manning have not been doing. I thought Dante Manning actually had a pretty good game last week uh, against BYU. did not think that pass interference he was flagged for was, was warranted. And, you know, I'd like to see him be able to grow in that number two corner role. But I think you just have to get to a point in time where you recognize, yeah, he was a big time five star recruit and it's a really great get. And he has great physical traits, but he has just not been able to, to put it all together. And maybe it's because of the revolving door coaching staffs or, you know, there, there's a variety of factors that lead to guys not realizing their, their full potential. And I'd still like to see Dante move towards that because I think he has the highest ceiling of, of all the guys who are out there playing even more so perhaps than, than Florence, who at least in the immediacy is just, you know, not as experienced as Dante Manning, who ha- has played, you know, one and a half seasons of college football so far. But I think defensively, you make a great point about the pass rush, and I I look for guys like DJ Johnson to at some point just be able – I don't even need him to register sacks, Max, but when Cam Ward is sitting back there and and patting the ball a couple times, and Jaron Hall was doing that, which is to the secondary's credit because BYU's offense didn't take off despite the fact that Jaron Hall, for the most part, had a lot of time. The secondary on the whole played quite well, but at some point, that's going to be a non-repeatable formula for success. And you have to be able to generate pressure somehow, some way on route concepts that, that take a long time to develop. When, when Cam Ward drops back, hits a guy on a quick screen or uh, a slant over the middle or just dumps it off in the flat or whatever, sets up a screen. Yeah, of course, you're not going to expect the guys to get there. But when they want to take shots down the field, that's when I look and say, OK, at some point, you got to be able to, to get in his face and make him uncomfortable. Yeah, and and, and they're going to need to make sure that they can get home or just be disruptive in general. I think that in the perfect world, everybody wants sacks, but it's how you find ways to disrupt the play, pass or run, um, that I think really make you a, a good defense. And I think one other point that I wanted to talk about just w- as Oregon's kind of managing their secondary right now, I think that you may not see it right now, but maybe, you know, four or five games down the road, or maybe even next season, Oregon's going to benefit from scheduling these quality opponents, getting absolutely toasted by like any skill guy on Georgia's team is going to help Oregon in the long run, because this season, everyone else is going to be, you know, that set the bar, right? Um, I think that, uh, you know, maybe they caught a little bit of a break last week because Gunnar Romney and Puka Nakua weren't available, but they still had some really good pieces on that, uh, you know, receiver core. Uh, with with Keanu Hill and um, Chase Roberts, so it's not like they're going against scrubs, but I think getting tested and getting tested early, getting tested often, is really going to go a long way in in accelerating some of these developments. And that's part of the reason that Demetrius Martin talked about why it was so beneficial that Jaleel Florence got here in the spring because you try to make up all that time that you missed, or just you know 
uh, some of that greenness from being a new guy by being here in the spring. And I think that uh, we're obviously seeing that with Jaleel Florence. Maybe it's just a little bit harder to tell right now if he's playing out of necessity or because he's really just separating himself that much. But I don't want to take away anything from him. I'm just saying, you know, only people behind closed doors really know why that, which the answer to that question. Before we get to our, our game predictions, what are you looking for for Oregon offensively in this game? I would love to see them, you know, have the sort of run pass balance and, Bo Nix facilitating the ball the way that he did against BYU. I wonder which receivers are going to pop and really be heavily involved in the offense because I think he's getting it around so often. It's just you got a lot of mouths to feed, so to speak. It's not like an NFL situation where you feel obliged to throw it to this guy because, well, he got a big contract in the offseason. He's supposed to be your number one. I think that's an advantage of, of the college game and such. But because Oregon's got so much talent at the wide receiver position, I think guys like Dante Thornton, Chris Hudson, and Seven McGee have, you know, not maximized their potential output to uh, this point. But I think they could be poised for that at any time. But big picture w- with the offense, Max, what do you want to see the Ducks do uh, against a stingy and, and frankly ferocious Cougar defense, pun intended? Yeah, no, 100 uh, percent appropriate for the pun there. Um, I think that there's a couple of things I'm, I'm looking for. Players. Of course. Yeah, no, I think there's a couple things I'm looking for. What's been kind of surprising is that in the past two games, Oregon's offense has started fast. How many times can we say that about Oregon's yeah. offense over these past couple of years? It's just rare. Uh, we, we don't really see it. But um, apart from that, I'm looking for, for uh, you know, what kind of a game does Bo Nix have? Can he play a clean game and take care of the ball? Can he distribute the ball effectively while also taking some of those calculated deep shots? But I think that conversation really starts with Oregon's run game. Uh, Oregon's averaging about five yards a pop and and over 200 yards a game on the ground. So Oregon's been a run first team for a while. And while it looks like it's going to be a more balanced attack under Kenny Dillingham in 2022, I think there's still a run first team. If you can establish the run early, you can play that physical football. You know, you send that message, hit your opponent in the mouth and you can establish that, Hey, we're here and we're going to play a physical brand of football. Uh, kind of along the lines of what Lanning was saying against BYU, like, you know, you know we're running it, we know we're running it, now it's time for you to stop it. I think that if you can have a consistent run game, that's what you're setting yourself up for. You're also opening up the playbook a little bit more because you're keeping the defense honest. So when you do pass, um, I think you have the chance to be more effective. And ultimately, it takes more off of Bo's plate. That's not to say I don't trust Bo, but you, you know, we know about, you know, the turnover problems that he's had in the past. He's played two awesome games these past two weeks, hasn't turned it over, 10 total touchdowns. You can't ask for much more of that. I'm just saying with with this being a road game set up how it is, I think that you just want to take advantage of the strengths of your team. And we know that the run game is a strength. Uh, and then I, you know, maybe we get some uh, some involvement from Troy Franklin and Terrence Ferguson, who have been uh, some of Bo's favorite targets so far. The thing I like offensively so far from Oregon is they're using the run game to set up shot plays. Whereas a season ago, I felt like they used the inside running game, which was very effective all season long behind that great offensive line, which is off to a really good start. Impressively, might I add, because Stephen Jones has been battling injuries. Not sure if he's going to be able to go, but man, Marcus Harper, early season MVP on the offensive line. Other guys might grade better. But the fact that he has stepped in and the offensive line has not missed a single beat. Bo Nix has been upright. He's had time to throw. 
He's had time on deep shot plays like the one to Troy Franklin a week ago. Oregon ran the ball well against Georgia and Harper was in there starting. He has been a, a really, really solid fill in, you know, to the point where you say, Stephen Jones, like, take your time coming back from an injury. There, there's there's no reason to rush. I, I don't sense any urgency in that sense. But I felt like a year ago they, they would run that inside zone. But then the setup was for that RPO action with the tight end in the flat. Right. Or, or just a skinny post from a receiver coming over the middle. But what we saw against BYU, and I hope it continues, is you use that inside run to suck the defense up, suck the linebackers in, and then go over the top. Chip Kelly's teams used to do that really, really well. They'd suck the linebackers up and throw in behind it. And that deep shot to Troy Franklin, I want to see shots like that to him and Dante Thornton, the wheel route to Montevau up, up the sideline, the, the seam shot to Franklin, all this stuff that I, I felt was missing from the offense a year ago, I, I think ha, has been there. Let's get to, and I hope it continues to be there because that's what makes an effective offense if you are still going to be run first, which I'm fine with as long as you know, you, you push the ball down the field and get some easy touchdowns like that one against BYU after a tough play, but then you're first and goal at the three, and that's just not something we saw from Oregon a year ago. You always had to grind it out, right? And that's really, really difficult and makes it tough to be explosive offensively. Let's get to our game predictions here, Max. I feel more confident about this game than I did going into BYU, probably because the BYU game took place, but also because, though I, I'm not writing off Washington State, I, I don't want everyone to get that sort of impression. When you watch that game that they won at Wisconsin, which they deserve credit for, they made plays defensively when they needed to, that was as much Wisconsin losing the game as it was Washington State winning it. I mean, I mean Wisconsin outgained the Cougars by 150 yards, and they won. Washington State won, that is. That seems mildly fluky, right? This defense has got a lot of playmakers, defensive head coach. I suspect they're going to be turnover hungry once again. But to me, if Oregon goes in and protects the ball, I mean, if Wisconsin doesn't turn the ball over in that game, they probably win by a couple touchdowns. I think Oregon can have that same sort of success. That's an if on, on turning the ball over. But I feel good about Oregon on both sides of the ball. The Cougars offense has not started clicking yet. And I don't think this is an Oregon defense that, that's going to give them the opportunity to do that. So I think if Oregon has one or fewer turnovers, I think they win by double digits. If they have two, then maybe it's only by a touchdown. But I, I think they're going to cover that six and a half number. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm right there with you about you know gaining more confidence in this Oregon team as the season progresses, especially after that BYU game. Both BYU and Eastern Washington were bigger wins than I was expecting, but you can obviously draw much more from BYU because they're a much more talented team. So I think that with this game for Oregon heading into uh, face Washington State, I'm feeling good about it. And, and Lanning was talking about uh, explosive plays and takeaways. Those are being the two big keys for this game. Um, you know, so often in today's era of college football, that's what it comes down to. Um, I think that Oregon's definitely taking a step in the right direction of more explosive plays because last year they had explosive plays, but they were almost always on the ground. So now they're becoming a, you know, more of a balanced team and, you know, a dual threat able to hurt you in a couple different ways. Um, but what still needs some improvement is the takeaways part. Um, and I think that, that's going to be really crucial for Oregon, especially with this game. I think you kind of have a smaller margin of error. So I ultimately see Oregon getting it done. Um, I could see it being a close game. 
if uh, maybe they shoot themselves in the foot a little bit, but I could also see them opening it up a little bit if, if they can take care of the ball and, uh, you know, get some sacks, get some takeaways in this one. Yeah, and that Cougars defense is not to be underestimated. They've got a couple guys, Ron Stone, and I forgot the linebacker's name again. I'll know it by Saturday. Dayon Henley. Dayon Henley. Those two guys are kind of the anchors. Stone is off to a little bit of uh, a slow start relative to what he's capable of, but first-team All-Pac-12 performer, preseason first team here in in 2022. So those are the guys that you got to watch out for defensively. But I I really feel like if Bonex takes care of the ball again, so far, that's what we've seen lead to success for the Oregon offense, whether it's Eastern Washington or BYU. And even with that game against the Eagles, that's the way a good team's offense looks against an inferior opponent, right? I mean, a season ago, Stony Brook was, what, 17-7 at, at the half? And that was an offense that ultimately struggled at the end of the year. So uh, I think both those games are, are reasons to to feel confident. Max and I both feeling good. Max Torres is his name, hosts the Ducks Dish a podcast and covers Oregon for Fan Nation at Sports Illustrated. Max, appreciate you taking the time and looking forward to the game in Pullman this Saturday. You got it. Thanks for having me on. Always excited to chop it up and uh, should be a fun one watching the Ducks this weekend. Yes, indeed. Appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Enjoy the game and go Ducks.